I'm back. What now? Oh, thank God. Uh, mm, mm-hmm. Hello. <laughs> it's me, God. It me. Are you there, Margaret? It's me, God. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Think Outside the Box Set. It's normally a podcast about learning to appreciate artists that may be misunderstood, unrecognized, or dismissed. And normally I'm Nathan Hunt, and normally that's Cameron DeWitt. But now I'm Nathan Hunt, and that's Cameron DeWitt. And instead, we're taking a little palate cleanser episode. And instead of talking about artists that may be misunderstood, unrecognized, or dismissed, we're talking about drum roll, ba 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 Ta-da. The two sides of Leonard Nimoy, someone who is absolutely recognized, multifaceted, and, and regarded, He's and understood. Regarded. Well, is he? <laughs> I don't I know. Mean, if he go lays that it far. all out in this album. Both sides of him, you know. Yeah. I see both sides now. What That's do you per- perceive the both sides to be? Uh, one Spock is and, and boomer folk, as you would call it. <laughs> yes. Spock, <laughs> Spock and boomer bullshit. <laughs> uh, I think it's Spock and, and, and Leo. I'm going to, I call him Leo cause we're, we're gotcha. good pals that way. Yeah. Now, do you, do you think like, I wasn't keeping track of which song was on which side, but do you think one side is all Spock and one song is all Leo? Cameron, see, the, the nice thing about vinyl records is that they also had two sides. And so when one of your vinyl records is named the two sides <laughs> of something, you can bet your sweet patootie that it probably corresponds with the sides of the vinyl record. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I would assume so. So, yes, we are talking about the two sides of Leonard Nimoy, his 1968 album. It is not his uh, first album first one is just like some bullshit Spock cash in cash grab. And there's a little bit of that here. Yeah. Music from outer space. I believe is the, yes, it's uh, Mr. Spock's music from outer space. It's pretty silly. This is the first one that's actually credited to Leonard Nimoy. And it has maybe his most famous song, the ballad of Bilbo Baggins. Yeah. It's the one from the meme. There's a meme. There's a meme. Well, it it may have been a popular like short internet video back in the like early two thousands. I don't know if it was uh, a meme. If by meme you mean image macro? Uh, no. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a meme in the broad sense of the term. Sure, you can find it on YouTube. There is a. Uh, there is a very 60s uh, music video where women wear brightly colored sweaters and Leonard Nimoy wears a bright white turtleneck with bright white pants and a dark blazer. And he sings about Delightful. Bilbo Baggins. Uh, are you, do you like The Hobbit? I actually just reread it recently. Yeah, what did you think? My hot take, it's 
a thousand times better than the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> hey, I think I like it more than the Lord Lord of the Rings as well. Yeah, because it's um, actually fucking fun. It's not just like some weird, like dreary uh, tome that takes itself way too seriously and has a lot of racist undertones. <laughs> um, there's this great um, R. E. Parish uh web comic um let me pull it up real quick so i can so i can read it to you um it's about uh tolkien versus uh c.s lewis mm-hmm. uh well there's this one <laughs> tolkien one that says it's him teaching a class and tolkien says oh it's tolkien teaches intro to fiction and he says who here knows the first thing an author must do when beginning their novel? And uh, one of the students says, develop characters. And Tolkien says, no, the first step is constructing an entire elf language from scratch. <laughs> Always. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> exactly right. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then probably my favorite one is Tolkien versus Lewis. And then colon and then allegories and then tolkien the first panel it says professor tolkien is it true that you wrote your novels as an allegory for the first world war and tolkien says no never ask me that again and i will call the police (laughs) and then and then it says lewis for the second panel and it says it's lewis writing by himself and there's a thought bubble and it says if even one person reading this does not understand that the big lion is jesus i will set myself on fire (laughs) (laughs) that's very funny and very accurate yeah i like it a lot (laughs) oh i like that Uh, yeah yeah so that's my hot take about the hobbit it's better than lord of the rings don't at me because I'm, I haven't even looked at Twitter in months anyway, and I, it holds no, no appeal or allure for me at all. So we're gonna, I, we're gonna have to disband the Discord. Oh, there will be so much uproar. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Got some new listeners in there, by the way. Thanks for the people who have been uh, still chatting away on the Discord and uh, bringing bringing new people into into the group and and introducing new people to the show. That's really yeah. nice. Thanks, y'all. I should yeah. get back on that Discord. I just yeah, you should. I have a hard time with it. <laughs> to be honest, like no joke, I something about like Discords and Slacks can kind of wreak havoc with my uh, like some of my social anxiety stuff. Like I can't uh, even <laughs> I can't even like participate on on like other Discords for other podcasts that like I listen to. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, in that case. Uh, y'all can count on me to occasionally check it out and make little comments like, whoa, damn, or no way. And then <laughs> or rad. If, if someone is already like emojied one of the, one of the posts so that you can just add a tally mark to it, then I, mm. uh, then I'll do that. Master tally or over here. Leave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, this is music yeah i mean I guess. it seems like it it <laughs> reminds me of music uh sometimes yeah. there's singing yeah he does do some singing and it's mostly it's mostly benignly bad i would say 
It's not that bad, honestly. Like I've heard worse. Well, sure. I've heard. Uh, I mean, I've... like in the movie Cats, for instance. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, wait, is there really bad singing in Cats? Who's singing badly in Cats? Oh, everybody, Cameron. <laughs> How can that be true? Oh, there's uh, so many good singers. Uh, short answer: Tom Hopper, or is it Hooper? Whatever Hooper? that guy's name is, Tom Hooper. Does he sing in it? No, he's the director, but he also made the well, late, yeah. Lay Miz movie where everybody sang bad. No, everyone sings great except for Russell Crowe. What are you talking about? Uh, Tom Hooper is the guy's name. Um, there's other people that sing bad in it, don't they? I actually, I actually haven't seen it. I don't know. Okay, no, I, I love the... That's the, thi- that's the one, as far as I'm concerned like redeeming quality of that movie is the, the singing performances, except Russell Crowe who, when he's tasked with singing and acting at the same time, can't, it's like a opposite of synergy. Ah, negative synergy. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm surprised to hear that there's bad singing in cats. Is oh, all you shouldn't be. <laughs> all right. It's like a core part well, of the I movie. <laughs> Yeah, I knew that the, that it was like mostly like visually horrifying, and that the plot, the way that they tried to construct a plot out of a plotless musical review, was like uh, kind of oh, it's, upsetting and it, weird. It, that's very upsetting and weird. The direction is incredibly bad, and uh, all the performance. Well, yeah, I'd say probably all the performances are bad in one way or another. Ex- well, maybe Ian McKellen and Judy Dench are sort of not bad does, it's hard to say does jennifer hudson sing badly in cats uh, are you prepared to say that is she the one that sings? i heard her in the trailer she sings <sighs> memories she's got a killer voice oh um well on a technical level well. she's on a technical level she sings well but she's in a different movie than the rest of everyone else and the the way like her the way her performance does not mesh with anyone else's is not good so it comes across as laughable all the stuff she's doing because just like buckets of snot are running down her face from her nose and she's just bawling her eyes out and no one else in the movie shows any emotion ever (laughs) and she's just like oh she's letting it all out there it's i i feel like you're not really talking about singing though Cameron, singing is more than just singing, especially when it's in a musical. It's also not singing. It's also the not saying. singing parts. <laughs> <laughs> you, you could sing uh, something like very well in like an operatic style. And if you're supposed to be in like Porgy and Bess, you know, the operatic style is not a good fit. And so therefore, can the singing be called good? I guess Wait, on a technical level, it could be good, but if it doesn't... What like, are you talking about? They specifically sing in an operatic style in... In Porgy and Bess? Yeah, that's like the whole like conceit of it. Is that it's operatic? Yeah. What? Oh. Have you ever heard the soundtrack? To, like, or mm, seen it? I think I've only ever heard, like, singers sing songs from it, but not okay. in the context. Fuck. All right, well... I, you you know what I'm saying though. Like if if there's a strong stylistic bent of a musical or a, a you know a piece of music and you sing well, sing competently on a technical level, you're good. But the what you're doing does not fit 
uh, the style or the feeling that's supposed to be evoked or something like that. Like it's, it, can it be said to be good? Right. Well, Nathan, how uh, we spent so much time talking about cats and Lord of the Rings. How are we ever going to cover all of these songs on this album? All 33 minutes of it. (laughs) There's so much ground to cover. What, what will, or what are we to do? Ah, that's a good question. Um, especially, well, here's something it's, it's, you can't really find the lyrics for this album, uh, which is a shame because some of them are bananas. Um, and I, I found about three quarters of the lyrics. Did you find lyrics for amphibious assault? I mean, they're not lyrics cause he's not singing, but they're words. <laughs> no, I, I made a quick synopsis. Okay. That's good. Um, it is insane. <laughs> um, it is. Yeah. So this is, yeah. 33 minutes. What is it? 16 tracks. 13, I believe 13. Uh, yeah, they're mostly like two minute tracks, which I love. I wish that yeah. <laughs> people had shorter songs. Most of the time you like a two minute song. What's that? You like a two minute song. I love a two minute song. Are you kidding me? Oh, Just get in, get like out. A bl- le- like a bluegrass le- standard. Le- not if I go that far, but, um, I'll leave them wanting more, baby. That's what they say. <laughs> Yeah, baby. Okay. <laughs> Can you put that person away? <laughs> Bring Nathan back. Groovy. <laughs> I can't This is maybe the most 1960s album I've ever heard, by the way. Speaking of Aust- weird Oof, Austin yeah. Powers, uh, <laughs> lukewarm, half-remembered uh, catchphrases that are totally yeah, so hack about, bits. About half of it is is sung. And the other half of it is spoken word or just straight up narration. Yep. And and all of the instrumentation, well, a lot of the instrumentation is kind of Bond-esque, like, uh, or like classic Bond-esque, like, uh, ballads. Cameron, no joke, his first album, Mr. Spock's Music from Space, literally has a performance of the Mission Impossible theme. The original the 1960 Mission Impossible album. theme? It does. Yeah, which is itself like heavily, um, shall we say, inspired by James Bond music. Um, right. And there's no words. There's no letter Nimoy on it. It's just a performance of the Mission Impossible theme. Oh. Which on is, his it, album. On his album, yes. Okay. <laughs> um, which is, I mean, it's 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 great. It's a great piece of music. Uh, became a, a pretty really good, is. pretty good film series, uh, which we talk about actually in uh, in our recent uh, mini podcast called uh, "What's in the Box Weekly." It's a weekly mini show for supporters. Yeah, Nathan uh, reviewed both trilogies of the Mission Impossible franchise, and we give the definitive rankings. Yeah. They kind of are trilogies, it turns out. It kind you can yeah. kind of very neatly divide uh the Mission Impossible, the six films into two trilogies. It's true. Well, should we should we hop into these songs? Should we talk about highly illogical? I guess so. Oh boy. This one. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> illogical. Girl meets boy. They fall in love. She says he's everything. 
she's dreamed of. But when they get married, before he's aware, she changes his <laughs> habits, the way he combs his hair. She changes him to someone he's never been, and then complains he's not like other men. So Spock took the red pill. Spock Spock's definitely a red pillar. He's also a gentrifier, I think. He's 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 a red liner and a red pillar. Yeah. Uh which so that's a reference to um the casual sexism and casual racism of the nineteen sixties expressed in this song. Um yeah. you heard the sexism part. So he's the shtick is that Mr. Spock comes down from outer space and he says he says in the intro from beyond, far beyond the galaxies I've journeyed to this place to study the behavior patterns of the human race and I find them highly illogical. Sure. Um, so in the first verse sort of I guess you could say it's a verse um he, <laughs> just like casual just like girl meets boy they fall in love she says he's everything she's dreamed of but when they get married before he's aware she changes his habits habits the way he combs his hair she changes him to someone he's never been and then complains he's not like other men now I really find this most illogical <laughs> And he's like, humans are illogical, but human women (laughs) forget about it. Yeah. Humans are illogical. Have you seen their women? (laughs) Uh, And there is no corresponding verse where he talks about men being illogical in any way. It just, that's the opener. And it's just like, yeah, that's it. That's, that's his example of human illogic is, uh, is, is girls, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he does talk about, he says, take the case of modern man. Right. He works all his life, gives it all he can, saves all his money, works overtime, pinches every penny, banks every dime. All he can think about is money, but you know that he can't take it with him where he's going to go. Now, I find that fascinatingly illogical. Right. I think there's a lot to unpack in this in this verse. Um, where does Spock think modern man is, like each individual modern man is going to go? Exactly. Spock believes in an afterlife? Question mark? Yeah. And then if he doesn't believe in an afterlife, well, it's like, well, then why wouldn't, why wouldn't you pursue a, some degree of accumulating wealth so that you can ensure your own safety and pass it on to the people after you? Yeah. I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. Um, and then the, uh, the casual racism that I was referencing. Oh boy. Is... I took a, a sound sample. If you oh, want. oh, good. Oh, goody, 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 goody. <laughs> uh, which one is it? Charles R. Green? Why are you putting Charles R. Green in the title of these things? Well, because I copy and paste from the disco- the Wikipedia discography. Well, it's it crowds out like the other text that you put in the title, so I can't see. Just open up the window, you dingus. Well, it's not... In, I can't... Okay, I can't do it. Anyway, uh, I think I found it. Here we go. All right. The future of this earthly human race is that having made a mess of Earth, they'll move to outer space. Well... There goes the neighborhood. <laughs> yes. Is that what you meant? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I meant. Because he says like, oh man, these human beings. Yeah, I, uh, for in spite of computers and advanced psychology, behavior patterns are still a mystery. I predict the future of this earthly human race is that having made a mess of Earth, they'll move to outer space. Well, there goes the neighborhood. I was probably much too old before I realized when someone says there goes the neighborhood, it is a coded racist phrase 
that was that was um if in not if not invented then popularized during the times when um white flight was happening and white people started moving out to the suburbs to try to get away from all of the ethnics and uh yeah undesirables and if a black family happened to move into the neighborhood they would say things like well there goes the neighborhood yeah i mean i feel like this could this could be clever and like sardonic if like if someone else had written it. it's like if jordan peele had written this song yeah. <laughs> and he's just like drawing a he's like yeah like uh the the Vulcans see us as um as like a an entire like race that's all the same and sort of unredeemable you know mm-hmm. and that would be like like oh yeah that's an interesting like kind of put us in our place as a, as a species and like make us think a little differently I don't know like something could be done there but ultimately it feels pretty flippant and unintentionally racist yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, I guess it also like brings up the question of like, is it like by definition racist to use that phrase? There goes the neighborhood. I mean, it like definitely has the connotation and like refers to a racist time, but is it like by necessity racist and is it always racist to invoke that? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, is, I'm not going to. Yeah, is Mr. Spock <laughs> defensible in this in this instance? I don't know. Well, I mean, to be fair, I think he's not incorrect about humanity. That's true. If, <laughs> if we get to go to outer space. Maybe he's just a naive Vulcan who doesn't understand the racist baggage of that term. Yeah. And it becomes like a sort of double irony because he's this innocent Vulcan. He's like, oh, shit, here comes the humans. And at the same time, it's referencing humans racism, which is another reason why he doesn't want them to move out into the galaxy. Hmm? Right. There goes the neighborhood. The racists moved in. <laughs> All the racists move in. There, <laughs> I did it. We have finally redeemed Mr. Spock and he's good now. He's yeah. uncanceled. And the phrase, there goes the neighborhood. Yeah, it's good now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I, I'm ready to move on. Okay. Do you want to talk about the difference between us or not? You mean in, in general? Yeah. Now you now, say tomato. I say tomato. Yeah. Uh huh. I say potato and you Let's also say potato the- because nobody says potato. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I went to Australia where they say tomato and they don't say potato. They, they absolutely Nobody do not. says that. Nobody does. <laughs> um, yeah, so this this track number two is called The Difference Between Us. It is one of the many covers of this uh, album. Um, I think it's just, I mean, it's it's just a song that a ton of people sing, right? I'm sure there's a ton of different versions on Spotify. And I, I don't know. I mean, we can listen to the sound sample. Let's listen to the sound sample. If you this question pose to me, I'll answer you as best I can. Although the limits of your mind will not adjust to compute the technicalities of my world's inheritance. For Vulcan is not your mother. Okay, this isn't a standard. It is the world I <laughs> This is not the same song that a hundred people on Spotify are singing. Yeah, I was just enjoying your intro to this. 
<laughs> I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> Turns out this is pretty, this has got to this. I don't think this is a cover. I think this was written for this album. Oops. Do you, do you have the lyrics in front of you? I don't. Isn't they're not I, in the I genius? Yeah. What is that? Um. Do you have it? Can you well, send me a link? Oh yeah, I'll send you a link right now. Um, also, while you're doing that, I want to point out that um, one of the genres listed for this album on Wikipedia is Filk. F-I-L- Sorry? F-I-L-K. Filk you, Cameron. Uh, which is apparently just another <laughs> word for like nerd folk. Uh, it's a musical oh. ge- culture genre and community tied to science fiction, fantasy, and horror fandom and a type of fan labor. So it's like musical fan fanfic. Labor? I think it's like musical fanfic, but I don't know if this counts. I mean, this is sort of fanfic, I guess. But it's like people with acoustic guitars uh, singing about Dungeon Dragons, I think, is the idea, basically. (laughs) Well, um, I am unable to... There's something wrong with, like, my browser or something. I don't know what's going on. Hmm. Uh, I I can't send you it. But I can read you all the lyrics. There aren't that many. Yeah, please. Go for it. The difference between us... When first we met, I saw your lovely eyes look into mine, then dart away for just an instant. Oh, I do remember that part of me that says is different. This might be a bad uh, transcription. Yeah, maybe. Um, Embarrassed, you try to hide the fact that you've noticed. You would not want to hurt my feelings. How droll. Speak it out. The question I read in your eyes, why is he set this way apart from me? Is there really a pointed difference between us? If you, this question posed to me, I'll answer you as best I can. Although the limits of your mind will not adjust to compute the technicalities of my world's inheritance. So up until this point, I I didn't realize that this was also going to be a Spock song. And then he says, for Vulcan is not your mother earth. It is the world I grew up in as far removed from yours as worlds can be. The wonder is that I that I communicate with you at all Uh, for deep within me are the differences you cannot see the differences that are my shields against the love and hate that weaken you and make you vulnerable and yet I will admit there stirs in me a curiosity to know these feelings is this song about Mr. Spock trying to bone an earth person yeah it is hmm for it's, if just once yeah. I could command the change in me, I think he's refer- uh, he's referring to the like when Vulcans go into heat like once every seven years and go absolutely buck wild. Yeah, yeah, they'd get pretty bonkers, right? Yeah, perhaps I'd comprehend what makes you what you are, and in reverse, if you could live for just a moment in my world and recognize what makes me what I am, perhaps that would be the catalyst to harmonize the difference between you and me. So it becomes a sort of appeal to empathy at the end, uh, in the name of sex, interspecies sex. <laughs> yeah, is this song creepy? I I feel like the the phrasing of like him narrating in the second person like you your eyes meet mine across the room and you look away at my intense glare and slavering uh look of lust and my (laughs) raging erection it's it it just it's kind of creepy the way he's narrating (laughs) at me and telling me what i'm feeling and experiencing in that way what do you think um would it be better if he was just like no homo? <laughs> <Afterwards>. well, <that's, laughs> like, okay. What do you want? <laughs> that's t- 
<laughs> don't 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 do this to me. That's not what I was talking about. I I think Nathan that this is in the spirit of like uh, is is slash fic only like gay fan fiction, like gay erotic fan fiction, or I romantic? Don't, I don't. F- Thinks. I think it might be predominantly, but I don't think it is necessarily. Um, uh, okay. I think no, it is, is. It is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Erasure. Okay. Erasure. I'm erasing. I'm sorry. It is a genre <laughs> of fan fiction that focuses on romantic or sexual relationships between fictional characters of the same sex. One of, this is me editorializing now, one of the most um, famous, especially early examples was uh, Spock and Kirk, actually. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. It's a big thing. Huh. Well, I, I was going to say... Maybe um, the song I've, is about Spock and Kirk. What do you think? Maybe. Maybe <laughs> it is. But I, I feel like the function of it in this is like he's singing to all the nerd nerdo ladies who like are into Star Trek at this time and who have like weird fantasies about uh, Leonard Nimoy and he, he's like living out this like fantasy for them where they they have these ec- irreconcilable differences but Spock is still like the human part of him is intrigued now is it is it canon actually in the original series that Spock is half human or is it just a movie thing I you're talking to the wrong guy dude I didn't really watch the original series. I went back to try to watch it at one point, and I was like, oh, this is, like, kind of insufferable to me. Uh, Unfortunately, (laughs) it's unwatchable. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's unbearable, unfortunately. I'm sorry. It's just... It's unbearable. I'm very sorry, and I know it's important for a variety of reasons, but nobody can watch it. It's too bad. I think there were moments that I enjoyed. Like, I actually like Spock's acting pretty well. And I think Kirk has, like, a weird... He does have a weird charisma to him. Um, But the writing is mostly really strange. Uh, I really like the sets and the costumes. I think they're kind of cool. I love the music. I love that Sulu is sort of this like super hot, like ladies man, especially like the dramatic (laughs) irony of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, honestly, anytime where uh, Hollywood is deciding to sexualize uh, Asian, East Asian or South Asian or Southeast Asian men is I think a plus because um, they're often uh, desexualized in really harmful ways in in our culture. It's true. Um, and I think a lot of people are missing out on sexualizing Asian men. <laughs> yes. you can, it's a, you could have a good time doing it. Why a not? A whole new um, world. <laughs> Don't you dare close your eyes. Uh, but um, but yeah, the it is a really rough to watch show. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it is unwatchable. All those things considered. Yes. Mm. <laughs> um. Right. Uh, anything else, or should we just move on to the next one? Let's move on. Do you want to talk about Once I Smiled? Mm. I don't remember the so, song yeah, at all. <laughs> this is another... It's another one. It's kind it of the same. certainly is another one. Uh, he, he. It's talking about him falling in love with a blonde lady. And he's a Spockman, I think. Like He's this, Spock this, still this whole, in this. This whole first album, Acted I think, is like Spock. a human boy. Does he say that? 
Yeah, he says that. Oh boy, I guess maybe we should listen to it. Yeah. Science sound swung from trees like a oh boy. Pup. <laughs> Saw the world from downside up. I kind of like that. It's a whole tone scale. Then reality came crashing. Drowned my joy with human pain. There's a lot of like interchanging of singing and spoken word things, and I yeah, I it's not my favorite device. Um, can I nerd out a little bit? Do a little music theory corner. I haven't gotten to in a long time because, I mean, I've done some rhythmic stuff, you know, talking about Macklemore and Eminem, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't got to talk about like harmonic theory at all. Let me grab my banjo real quick. Okay. Okay. So I mentioned the whole tone scale. Um, the thing that makes uh, Western scales interesting uh, or like the way we think that the scales are interesting is asymmetry. So are you familiar with the concept of whole and half steps? Me? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's like when you're walking, sometimes you don't take a whole step. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes you take little, little mincing, like little, little halfway, little halfway joints. So there's the concept of an octave, which is like, you know, there's, there's seven letters in the Western musical alphabet, A to G. And then once, once you get through all seven, once you're going up the scale, you go back to A. And those, you know, those two A's um, are the same. They sound the same. They're they're exactly a one to two, you know, ratio um, of their um, oscillations, the hertz or whatever. So um, they are very consonant with each other. Um, And in Western music theory, the most typical division of the notes in between the octaves um, are it, it's usually divided into 12 more or less equal uh, half steps. Mm-hmm. And most scales move in mostly whole steps with the occasional half step. So like, I think I'm in the key of G. So if, um, if I go, uh, if I want to do a G major scale, it would go whole, whole, half, whole, 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 half. So it's whole, whole half whole 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 half so the place where the half steps go is it's not symmetrical and that allows you to feel this sort of sense of tension in the scale um it's why this chord progression doesn't feel finished it wants to go back to one Um, Mm -hmm. It's because the asymmetry in the scales where the half steps land. So a common device, especially in like this era of like film scoring, um, like cinematic, like music making Mm -hmm. uh, whenever they want to like give a a feeling of surreality or dream likeness or like a a flashback, um, they'll use usually a harp in, in a, uh, uh, tuned to a whole tone scale, uh, which means that instead of um, instead of dividing it into uh, seven notes, um, instead of dividing the scale into seven notes with uh, two of those notes being half steps, mm-hmm. 
they sort of combine those two half steps and make it a six note scale with oh. all whole steps. Mm-hmm. And that creates this sort of, uh, there's no anchor there. It all sounds, it's completely symmetrical. So there's no, there's not really any tension in it because there's no sense of where is this, where is this scale going? Like you could start a whole tone scale on any note and it would more or less sound the same because, uh, well, I'll show you. So like, this is a, a G major whole tone scale. So that, wow. I feel like I just flashed back to a memory just there. Exactly. (laughs) We've all been like, you know, trained in the media that we've watched, uh, to associate that with, um, yeah, like a flashback or a dream or something like that. Uh, especially when it's done with a harp glissando. I'm assuming they just like put down the pedals on the classical harp in order to pedal to the metal, baby. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so if you were to do that scale, like starting on F instead, it's the same notes just starting on a different one but it all kind of sounds the same and there's no sense of where does the music need to go it all sounds kind of equally tense and unresolved um, as opposed to um, especially tense and then especially resolved so uh, do you want to play that same sound sample again and people can listen to um, the whole tone scale at the end and I'll yell when it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here we go. Cyan sound Swung from trees like a monkey pup We've got to talk about that too. Saw the world from downside up Right there. <laughs> then reality came crashing my joy with human pain. So yeah, there's like a um, a slow whole tone scale going down, and then there's an upward glissando on a harp. I believe also in a whole tone scale, uh, and it's when he's talking about um, saw the world from downside up. Then reality came crashing, and uh, he's talking about like uh, being. Uh, unmoored you know he's talking about I mean he's talking about being in love but as this sort of cosmic experience where he doesn't know where uh, yeah it's it's a classic it's a classic like 20th century musical device right I think he also it's says cliche. he saw the world as a monkey pup he says that and that <laughs> is not a trope that's a t- classic 20th century musical device <laughs> I, but the, the weird thing is, pup. the weird thing is, is it is to set up the rhyme of when he says, "See the world is downside up." But it's like, yeah, which one did he come up with first? Yeah, which one did he come up with first? Which is like the first rhyme for the other? Stupid. I kind of like downside up because it is like an okay. inverted version of upside down, of course. Um, but now it just sounds like he says downside up specifically to rhyme with monkey pup but then monkey pup sounds like he just says monkey pup to rhyme with that it's like which one is the is the like uh uh like the forced rhyme yeah uh it's hard yeah i don't know Mm. monkey pups (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i mean he is uh, he is a space alien so he doesn't need to know yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) 
Monkey pup, monkey pup, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. That song's just about him being a Vulcan and falling in love with a lady. Yeah, those ladies. They just they just uh, want Earth that lady. They just they just love that um Vulcan loving. They do. Uh how about we skip a bunch of songs? <laughs> I, I, we, I, we should talk about Spock thoughts. We do need to talk about Spock thoughts. <laughs> Shit. Okay. Go placidly amid the noise. Oh, and it's haste, boring though. And remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible, without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly. And listen to others. I don't know if uh, people are able to tell from that short sample, but uh, it, you guys might have heard this one before because uh, they straight up just stole this dude's poem as the text of this song. <laughs> Whose poem? Uh, it's it's a uh, it's a poem called Desiree Data, which means is a Latin for things that are desired, and it's a uh, ah. it's, it's an un mostly unknown poet named Max Ehrman. Um, who this is like the only thing of his that ever like achieved any kind of fame. Um, sometimes people, uh, uh, date it to 1692, but that's just because it was printed in some like church hymnal or something. And the church itself was built in 1692. So like people saw that the text, it was like, uh, it says old St. Paul's church, Baltimore, AD 1692. And they think, Oh, that means this poem comes from 1692. It doesn't, it comes from, uh, early, the early 1920s. Um, and it's just a, a long paragraph and it's, uh, just basically like just a bunch of this dude's thoughts of what he thinks uh, are good things and stuff that you should want stuff that you should desire. Go placidly amid the noise and the haste and remember what peace there may be in silence as far as possible without surrender beyond good terms with all persons, um, et cetera, That's et cetera. kind of a nice idea as far as possible without surrender beyond good terms with all persons. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty similar. I kind of appreciate yeah. Jesus. Is it Jesus or St. Paul that says something similar? Like as in as much as it's up to you, like be peaceful with everyone or something like that. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember that quote. Uh, I believe it was Jesus who said, humiliate uh, religious conservatives in public. Oh, that's right. He, oh, the, <laughs> they're pain piggies and they love to be humiliated. I think he said yeah. that. <laughs> those <laughs> Humiliate those cucks. <laughs> <laughs> they're all fucking betas and they love to be stomped on. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So mostly I just wanted to talk about it because... Oh boy, it's a, it's an extremely boring setting of this poem, uh, but it's just straight up taken from. Uh, I mean, it's just it's the entire poem, and he just reads the poem. That's it. Do you want to? Do you want to do the part about God? Uh, it's a sound sample that says, "As long as he has a penis." Oh, oh, yes. Is unfolding as it should. Therefore. Be at peace with God, whatever you conceive Him to be. Mm, whatever whatever he... you conceive Him to be, as mm-hmm. long as it's Him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
As long as, so it, as he has a, a great big bushy beard and a big bushy bush with a penis inside of it. <laughs> uh, the, I mean, there's there's like a lot of. I mean, if we wanted to unpack it, there's a lot of good stuff in here, but there's a lot of just like weird ideology too. It's like you yeah. are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. You have a right to be here. That's a good thing that people should hear. Yes. And whether sure. or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Mm, I don't think so. I mean, that's like <laughs> should is a pretty strong value judgment to put on it. You Absolutely. Have, you have to be a pretty strong theist to believe in that, I think. Um, and then that's right before he says, therefore be at peace with God, whatever you conceive him to be. Anyway. Uh, I think I have time to talk about amphibious and uh amphibious assault briefly and the ballad of bilbo baggins i don't really know if i have anything else to say other than gentle on my mind by john hartford is a good song yes and i didn't especially enjoy hearing leonard nimoy do it he did fine but not great yeah and the I guitarist mean, was way too busy yes <laughs> yeah there's uh most of the second half of this album is just a bunch of like like i said boomer folk or like sort of standard songs there's if i were a carpenter um there's ones i didn't recognize as much like miranda and love of the common people that are they're fine but they're like i mean whatever they're fine. Yeah. yeah they're whatever yeah let's talk about amphibious assault and then the ballad of dildo yeah, that was way more interesting <laughs> yes oh boy a lone craft moves toward the enemy shoreline sole vehicle of the assault the craft, an amphibious landing type, has a ramp gate in the bow for the unloading of men and equipment onto the beach. At the back, above the level of the ramp gate, is a large glass enclosed... So I just have one question about this song, Cameron. What <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> Uh, do you want to synopsize it? Do you remember no, all the events? No, I don't. But you said you have a synopsis, so I, I want to hear yours. Yeah. So, I mean, you heard part of it. There's like a, an amphibious craft. It approaches an enemy shore. Inside the craft, there is a cocktail party going on. With yes. like the, There are soldiers in the craft. Um, yes. And uh, they're all having like a fancy cocktail party. And then the party pauses as the uh, like landing... Um, ramp comes out a single soldier uh, runs onto the beach and he's instantly killed uh, by a single shot from enemy gunfire then the ramp closes back up the party resumes and then the song ends yeah so there's a, a, a lot of things about that number one this is track number seven it is the final song of side one and the way that vinyl albums are usually sequenced is each side, each half of the record kind of has an arc to it where the typically you'll have like more up tempo or like more, um, uh, popular or more notable or more catchy songs right at the beginning. You might have some slower ones in the middle and then right at the end, you'll have a big finish. And it's weird that they chose this one as like the big finish of the Spock half of the record because (laughs) it's the real money shot. (laughs) Yeah. It's as if it were the money shot because I have no idea what the fuck this has to do with Spock. Um, so putting that aside, it seems to be a extremely weird, like allegorical quasi fable. Uh, yeah. 
and this is 1968. This is like Vietnam War is in full swing. So I kind of wonder if he's sort of commenting on that, but I can't see what the fuck he's trying to say about it. Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know. It's, it seems like maybe he's like trying to say something about, I mean, he's not a writer on the song. It's Mason Williams and green. And I couldn't, I don't know where it comes from. Right. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> I couldn't find, I couldn't find the lyrics anywhere. It's really strange, but it's like, okay. Yeah. It's, it's, there's like a party going on and then they sort of, for the, for the sake of war, send out a single soldier to sort of die and then they resume the party. It seems like there's some, yeah, like you said, it seems like it has to be allegorical. Somehow, they really emphasize that it's an amphibious craft, which right. is like, I don't know if that is supposed to have metaphorical, more metaphorical weight. I don't know. It's really bizarre. It's really bizarre. And it's like, I mean, I could sort of see it as like being a sort of kafka-esque like sort of milan kundera a little bit absurdist like juxtaposition of soldiers and assault craft and people dying for war and there's like this cocktail party and there's the magical realism putting the cocktail party literally inside the landing craft yeah but they don't really do anything with that and it's really unclear like what they're getting at unless it's just the pure contrast between the cocktail party and the soldier dying like is that all they have to say about it yeah is that i don't know it? i don't know <laughs> what is this in service of it's hard it's hard to say it's very hard to say well let's let's talk about we already talked about talked about bilbo for a minute but yeah let's, but let's talk about it the up and, ballad of bilbo baggins too yes here we go <laughs> that bass so, so farty in the middle of the earth in the land of shire lives a brave little hobbit whom we all admire with his long wooden pipe fuzzy woolly toes he lives in a hobbit hole and everybody knows him bilbo bilbo baggins he's only three feet tall bilbo. god i love those 1960s uh background vocals they're, they're like pretty psychedelic <laughs> sounding it's great yeah it's fun um i actually i like this song pretty well this song is pretty fucking fun uh it's the only one that was written for this album i think the, all the other ones on the are of this side of the album i mean all the other ones are like covers or standards this is the one that was written by charles green who wrote a lot of the stuff from the first half um it's super fun. I love the instrumentation. It's very 60s, very like flower people. It's got that weird like farty keyboard bass. Um, it's definitely got a lot of psychedelic <laughs> influence on it. Um, lyrically, it ain't much to write home about. And it, in fact, it reminds me of this like this long train of thought I had one time when I was much younger where I was like, how does someone write a song about like a movie or a TV show or something? Right. Cause I, I was like, yeah. I, I was aware that, you know, sometimes TV shows that have like theme songs that would be about the show in some way. And I was like, okay, there's that. And then also like, if I know that like, you know, Led Zeppelin wrote songs that reference Lord of the Rings or something. So like, how does someone write a song about something? And like, the only thing I could think of was like, I guess you could say like this guy was there and he had some stuff and he did some stuff. 
And I was like, that doesn't sound like a very good song. You're just like <laughs> listing things from the show or the movie. And right. that's a hundred percent what this song is. It's like, there's this guy, yeah. Bilbo, he's got toes, he's got pipe, he does these things and he's Bilbo. <laughs> yeah. It just don't forget, a, he's Bil- he don't forget Bilbo. he's Bilbo. <laughs> we all admire him. And it's like, it's just a, a big list of plot points and details from the Hobbit. Yeah. The first two verses are just sort of describing Hobbit culture. And then the third verse is like, well, and then he, you know, went on a, on a quest and uh, helped the doors get back their gold stolen yep. by a dragon. And then there's a bridge, and that's where most of the exposition happens. Well, he fought with the goblins. He battled a troll. He riddled with Gollum. A magic ring he stole. He was chased by wolves, lost in the forest, escaped in a barrel from the elf king's halls. Mm-hmm. Bilbo! Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I, I don't know why... Like, what... Is it is it the pointy ears? Like what what does Leonard Nimoy have to do with the Hobbit? Like like why <laughs> why did this happen? He likes it. He likes it. <laughs> I guess. And, and you know what? It's the best song on this album. <laughs> I mean, it obviously is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's campy, and I do love it. But it's like, why why did this happen? It's yeah. Mm, I don't know. How about? How about pl- play us out uh, into our into our outro uh, by playing a little bit of that? What I perceive to be an oboe solo, it might be like a Barry sax or like a contrabass clarinet or maybe a keyboard. I don't know. Mm, interesting. Here we go. But it slaps. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I think you're right. That does sound like an oboe to me. Yeah, it's very low. It's very. It feels like it's playing kind of at the limit of its range. Yeah. All right. I I gotta I gotta sign off. Let's let's close close yep. this up. Thanks everyone for uh, the the last two seasons of just like. Uh, I don't know us criticizing the self-importance of other white men <laughs> yes <laughs> and in a pretty self-important way and yeah yeah uh, i we were considering like for the palate cleansers talking about a couple other white rappers like just one-offs and i was like wait you had an idea to talk about leonard nimoy can we just do that <laughs> just do a total left turn actually cleanse the palate <laughs> let's cleanse that and palate. i'm glad that we did me this too. was fun and silly and it was the, fun yeah, this is a fun let's do album. something light next. yeah <laughs> this i i really enjoyed this album let me say that as as yeah as like not great as the singing may have been i fucking enjoyed it it was light and fun and it didn't take yes. itself seriously and it was just like it was just like a nice little like piece of candy yeah yeah um are we are we back next week with another palate cleanser episode yeah let's do it okay yeah we'll, we'll figure out what that is then yeah, we will figure that part out later in the meantime thanks for listening everyone you can go on our website at uh, boxset.website you can email us at email at boxset.website uh going on our itunes going on the itunes and writing us a review would be real nice go on the itunes go on our itunes and the itunes uh you you can go off on the itunes go off kings and queens uh and non uh identifying royalty 
Uh, if you want to support us directly, you get access to our mini show and other bonus materials. Uh, you can go to our Patreon at support.boxit.website. You can also listen to Cameron's other podcast called Get Up In The Cool. Podcast. Get Up In That Cool. And do, uh, do it. And I've been Nathan Hunt and Monkey Pup, Monkey Pup, yeah. <laughs> I've been Cameron DeWitt and no one says potato. Oh God! I just, I just happened to glance at the Wikipedia summary of this song. Say something is a slow tempo piano, slow tempo piano ballad that talks about a breakup where the lover is implored to say something because the singer is giving up on them. <laughs> With the singer's expressing okay. humility, sadness, and regret. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> oh man, I wonder what this. Oh wait, no, it's a song about uh, imploring someone to say something because the singer is giving up on them. Okay, I get it now. <laughs> what a weird (laughs) that's so weird to me it's it comes out it's like so oddly phrased if you essentially like say the song word for word but change the pronouns (laughs) it's just so weird